uh, six high school kids. They all had to come from very high referrals. I did you know, a lot of your research into them. Um, you know, great kids. Uh, you know, most of them into athletics. You know, they're doing stuff like this, but not one of them was an outdoorsman or women. Right. Um, you know, it just wasn't you know something that they really grew up in, something that they weren't really involved in. And uh, huh. what 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 we were able to do is take them and say like, hey. You know, you may not get the whole gun dog thing, right? But you're great kids with a good work ethic. Let's get you involved with, you know, just like, you know, cleaning, you know, cleaning the kennels, you know, reading the dogs. Here's how you, you bathe the dogs. Here's how you take care of the dogs. Here's how you feed the dogs properly. Here's all this stuff, right? Right. And they, they get into it. Then it's like, hey, let's go, go to another level and have fun with puppies, right? Like who doesn't love puppies? That exactly. To it. And then exactly. all of a sudden, some, you know, some of these kids, they, they start finding their strengths, right? Where like I have, so uh, Taylor, who I mentioned before, and, uh, and Zoe, who's another uh, girl, they end up saying, you know what? I'm really interested in what you're doing training with these dogs, right? And and each of them had their own dog that they were just like oh, my personal dog that they were in love with, right? right? And they watched right. them do all this stuff and watch, you know, them go from this love bug to go, you know, run this, you know, 300-yard blind retrieve. Like, yeah. You know, how do you do that? And so it started to involve them. Today, Taylor and Zoe went from not being an outdoors woman, either of them, not being in, you know, in really you know, households like that, never handling a dog to – I like Zoe went to a hunt test this weekend and handled dogs in the hunt test. Right. That's like, I mean, awesome. these, these kids have, have come so far and now, now, and I could say I could have the similar story with all six of those kids. And now wow. we're in the process because they're all graduating and moving on. Now um, I'm going to, I'm going to do something special for them. Hopefully none of them are listening, but I'm going to do something special for them. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, I want to, you know, buy them each their own, you know, their, their first shotgun or, or I want to do something for them. I, I haven't figured out what it is yet, but I want to do something that's like, Hey, you now have the roots of, of, of understanding what all this is. Right. Now I want to help you give you a tool so that you can go forward and continue to do this because right. I, I'm not going to promise you that all six of these kids are going to go be, you know, these, these, you know, hardcore hunters that are going to be out there, you know, banging on it every week right. and anything right. like that. But what, what I will promise you is that each one of them at this point, has the knowledge and the fuel to go do it. And that's right. really, that's what we need, you know, right. from there, you know, they can kind of take their own paths, but, um, but that's something I'm really proud of. Yeah. You know, it wasn't something I originally set out to do and just through the way that the stars aligned, it kind of took us down this path, but, yeah. um, but I'm really, really proud of it. I mean, there's just, there, there's so few ways that I've been able to look at this, this industry and say, okay, this industry has given me my livelihood. What yep. can I do to give back to it? And this is a small piece of that. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and uh, you know, I wish other – I wish a lot more guys and gals in the industry would do stuff like that. You know, I try to take – you know, I'm always trying to take guys under the wing or, or, or anybody who wants to learn or listen or, or whatever. I'm, I'm all about that. I have a couple uh, – uh, hard-charging young ones right now that are – Hey, do you need help on uh, duck blinds? Do you need this? Like, do you need that? And then, you know, I end up taking those guys, you know, those kids hunting, you know, when I got a good shoot and, uh, you know, I don't have clients or we're not filming or even if we are filming, like whatever we're doing and, and kind of get them involved. And, you know, that that's burning the fire in them. So there's no doubt you just got to pass it on and do what you can. So, um, you know, that's that's the best part about this. We're talking to Josh Miller. Uh, who's at Riverstone Kennels, and he owns it in Wisconsin. And also, uh, we're talking about sport uh, sport dog stuff today because um, I let's see, Jet is 
if I have my three months, he's 12, 15 weeks right now. So he's right, he's right in that 15, 15 week range. If I have my, if I have my math, correct. Um, so we're doing, you know, we're doing, I'm doing a lot of this myself this time, you know what I mean? Because, uh, I want the, the first of all, the kids wanted the puppy. Okay. They want to go through the puppy stage. So I'm all for it. So, um, so I say all, I'm all in. So, and, and listen, I love, I love labs. I love, you know, puppies, you know, yes, they're, they're challenging at times, but I'm, I'm all about it because you just can't, you just can't, uh, you just can't resist the little face. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'm going through as much obedience as I can, uh, by myself and, and whether it's reading, you know, whether it's reading a book, uh, looking at videos, doing whatever. And, and actually the, the super cool thing, uh, that came with the sport dog collar was like, it's not just how to use the collar. It is, there is a whole other book in what to do with the puppies and the dogs as you train and as you go through, you know, their cycle. So, um, I, that really impressed me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I, I think, I think that's the difference between um, buying a product from a company that is a uh, an electronic company or a company that is a dog company, and uh, and that's certainly not you know not a bash towards anyone else. I think you know there's so many companies in this industry that do such a great job. What I mean is it's more of a compliment to Sport Dog as far as you know, everybody in that company owns dogs. Everybody in that company is passionate about, you know, these, these dogs about having you know, the best experience that they can. And ultimately the way that the dog has the best experience that they can is that the owners are educated and they have the best experience. Right. And so the only way to do that is to give them the knowledge. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe that, that a collar, um, you know, it can be, it can be the best tool that, uh, that you can have if it's used properly. Because right. if it's not just like, and you can make this comment on any tool that you use in dog There's training, no whether doubt. it's a, a leash to a choke chain to a check cord to anything, um, it can also be the worst tool if you use it improperly. That's right. And so, you know, so the, the information you're talking about, I think that's the difference between people having a successful experience or an unsuccessful experience. You have so many people that I talk to in these seminars and, um, you know, they come up to me and they're like, hi, you know. I just I I had such a poor experience with it before that I've been afraid of it or I've you know I've been nervous about it and right like, you know when I use it with my dogs you wouldn't even tell that I've ever you I'm ever using it it's, it's extremely low levels it's right. you know, the correction is is a timely you know thing that and really you, know, you you talk about going specifically to distance you start stretching these dogs out um, that's right you know if if a dog makes a, a mistake at 200 yards and let's just say it blows off a whistle right so wait tweet you want this dog to sit, you have to take a cast, the dog blows you off. If you don't have that tool, the only other way you're making a correction is you better have your Nikes laced up and go <laughs> as fast as you can to that dog. And here's the problem with that. By the time you get to that dog, that dog has mentally moved on to the mistake. That's so right. he has no idea why you're there. That's right. And the flip side of it, you're probably not the happiest camper by the time you get there. 
right? No. So no, so you're, you're heated, making, right? Yeah, and so you're now making a correction or doing something that you normally wouldn't do. This is detrimental across the board. That's right. If you can just simply push that button, which again, you think of it as an invisible leash. If you could have that dog at your side, pull that leash up and say, no, I said sit. It's exactly what you're doing at a distance. It's clear communication. That I, I always say that the hardest part about uh, about my job is just simply the communication barrier, right? So like for me as a trainer, I think of myself as a teacher, except that my students can't talk to me, right? right. Um, I'm probably glad that they don't because, <laughs> or that they can't because I'd be out of a job. <laughs> but, but um, you know, that, that really is you know, a big deal where we have to communicate properly. How is the best way to communicate? Well, to keep things consistent, to keep things the same, no matter what distance you're at. Um, and again, this is all going back to if it's used properly, which is exactly right. what you talked about as far as having that knowledge to begin with. Yeah, let me, it's on my desk. Hold on, let me grab that book. Hold on. Hold on, don't move. Because the funny, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, like, I actually, uh, uh, like, obviously I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the collar yet, right? So, but I sit down with this the other night after I get everything. Well, after I get the collar, I've had the bumpers and all the other stuff and, and, and the heel stick and, and we're learning everything, uh, obedience wise and what we need to be doing at this time. But I mean, I got, I got sections in here that I pretty much highlighted and I got to come back to when I get there, you know, I want to remember this kind of stuff, but there, there was, there was a lot in here that I was truly blown away by and and i was like oh i didn't i didn't think of that or i didn't i didn't know that or oh that's a good way of looking at it because you know i whatever i you know whatever book i went by last time or whether it was walters or whatever you know what i mean I, i'm just like i got a whole different perspective on a couple things uh with the puppy that I've either already put into play or I marked in the book. So I am going to put into play because listen, I'm not a professional, you know, the last, the last dog, uh, you know, I had was, you know, trained by a professional, by two professionals, you know, that, that had the, the, the business and did a very good job of the last dog. Uh, I wanted to be a little more hands-on and I'm not saying I'm going to go through everything with him, but I'd like to be, you know, a huge part of it. To be honest, the, the thing that scares me the most, and I've talked about this to everybody and I'll ask you is the force fetching part that to me, like, I'm, I don't know that I'm, I'm not there yet because he doesn't have all his teeth out, you know, yet. Uh, but that part right there that one scares me. I don't, I don't know enough about it and I haven't, you know, I haven't brushed up on it yet. So, uh, is that, is that one of the bigger hurdles that you see folks run into with a puppy? I mean, once you get through your basic obedience, like if you, and you know, we go back to the collar too, you know, this is, this is the main thing. I mean, this is the number one thing you learn is if the dog does not know the command, the caller's not going to teach him the command or her. The right. dog has to know the commands for you to enforce with the caller. So that being said, 
you know, once I get through this obedience stage and we get through the teeth, um, you know, is, is that a, is that a, should I be as worried about it as I am, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, before we go down the road, I think you know, a comment that you just made, which was, yeah, the way that I like to put it is that the collar is a reinforcement tool, not a teaching tool. Correct. And I think too often, um, you know, people buy that collar and they think it's this, you know, magic wand in a box and all my problems are going to go away. Right. And, um, and, you know, the way that a collar to me is introduced improperly is, and this is the way that I hear it, uh, and I've watched it done uh, you know, too many times, right. is I, I'm yet, to, one, I'm yet to find the person that buys a collar because they have the perfect dog, right? They're like, I have the best dog ever. I need a collar, right? <laughs> right. Most people, most people are getting that collar because they have something they want to correct. Mistake number one, right? right? Um, because it, it shouldn't be used that way. Now, most, again, most of that time, um, it's come, right? right? Most of the time it's the dogs outside. Right. Uh, they're not coming when they're called and I want right. to have something to make the dog commit. Right. So they strap this collar on the dog. The dog has no idea what it is, no idea what that pressure feels like, no idea what it's supposed to do to turn it off. And the dog's out in the yard, right. and they say, Duke, Duke, come, Duke, come. You're like, oh, I've been waiting for this. I don't know. Let's see what a four does. Right. Hit the button, wait. You know, the dog has no idea what's going on, and the worst thing in the world happens. He runs back to the owner. And at this point, he's not running back to the owner because he's complying with come. At this point, right. he has no idea what just went on, so where's his safety net? Right, comes the back owner. to you. Right. Exactly. So naturally, comes back and goes, "What the heck was that?" Meanwhile, the owner's going, "Oh my gosh, this thing works awesome. It's, it's so great." Right. And then from that point forward, it's continued to be used that way. That's where you get these dogs that you put the collar on, the ears go down, the head goes down, because they're going to associate it with right. you know, with that that high stem level. Right. But the dog doesn't understand it. Right. Right. Now, again, going back to you know, sport dog gives you the tools and the information and the, the layout of how to, how to do this, this successfully. And I think that's probably the most powerful piece of that whole, you right. know, inside that box is that the knowledge of here's how to introduce it and here's how to go through it, because that is how you're going to make sure you don't have a dog that is, you know, the way that I kind of look at it is Dr. Dreckel, Mr. Hyde, right? You have one right. dog with it on and one dog with it off. Right. It's a reinforcement tool, not a teaching tool. Right. Now, to go back to what you're talking about with, with force fetch, you know, force fetch to me, um, you know, it's it, it's something that is a process that I think there is a ton of good that comes out of it. I think it's a very intimate deal with the dog as far as uh, you're very close, you know, in close quarters, you're working with their mouth, which, you know, to a dog, their mouth is everything, right? right? right. Um, and there's a lot of good things that can come of it. I also think, like, when people talk to me about, I want to, you know, when they get a puppy for me, they say, I want to do all the training myself. I'm really excited about this. You know, this is usually the part that say, okay, do everything except this. Let me do this. And, and the reason I, I say that is because it's uh, it's one that if you if you do something wrong and mess that up, you have now messed up with their mouth, right? Like a lot of dogs are very forgiving. You can mess up on the, on, on you know, overcorrecting on a sit. You can mess up on, you know, saying come a hundred times, going, right. oh, shoot, why didn't I correct it and, and, you know, recover from that. Right. But you mess up with their mouth, you can turn things, you know, real bad real quick. Uh, we, we, we see a lot of dogs every year that have gone through that process uh, with whether it's the owners or, or different trainers that were put through it improperly, then now we have to come fix. And it is a right. major, major hurdle. It's a major um, fix, right? It, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think what, what happens here 
is, uh, and I'll, I, I'll try to make this a short rant, but it's somewhat of a rant where I just believe the dog of today is different than the dog of 20, 30 years ago. Agreed. Right. So like, I, I kind of look at it where, you know, my grandpa had, had a, a chocolate lab named Warden. Warden was an outside dog. He lived in the kennel outside. And I vividly remember my grandpa telling me, you don't go play with Warden. He's a hunting dog. He'll screw him up if you play with him. Right. <laughs> right that was kind right. of the thought. That's right. Right. That's right. Now, my grandpa has a dog that lays in bed with him at night. Right. 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 And it's just, it, it's just, I think it's a good illustration of how, yeah. you know, our society has changed. Most of my dogs, so I have 35 dogs in my kennel right now. That's as many as I'll take at a time. Every 35 of those dogs are family members first and hunting dogs second. And I have dogs in there that are going to hunt 60, 70 days a year. Right. Right. Which is a lot for a lot of people. Absolutely. But those dogs are, are hunting dogs second family members first it's yeah. just the way that their society is so because of that breeders such as myself you're breeding dogs that have softer temperaments right because you want them to be great members of the family right nobody wants to live with the dog that whines and paces and goes back and forth all day long because right. it just it is geared to go 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 right? right nobody wants to live with that dog right. nobody wants to live with the dog that's going to fight you and be dominant and butt heads with you every second of the day because he's that mentality right right and so you know our breeding has changed because of our society change, which ultimately, kind of my point, Let's change the we dog. have to we have to change our training methods. Yeah, right. Like you can't go through this old school make them do it or else force fetch with these super soft dogs and expect that it just comes out okay. Right. Right. And so so that's kind of where uh, I just get I just get nervous with that. I go, yeah, it's, I, I've done. I, I mean, force fetching for me. Somebody asked me this one time. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but somebody asked me how many dogs did you put through that process before you were really comfortable with it? And I promise you, it was over a hundred. Really? And it just—it's it, one of those situations. that's like, okay, anything can happen, and when that happens, I need to have a counter for it right now so that the dog understands it. And if I don't, I'm—I'm I'm just you know confusing the dog. And it's right. like. There, there has to be a way that I can go through this. And so um, so we go through a train retrieve. We could do a whole deal just on this, and maybe someday we will. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a li- I, I hold some of my uh, my techniques a little sure. closer to the chest than others, and this is this is one of them. But um, but I go through this process much differently, and, and a lot of it is you know, I'm building their confidence, understanding what it is that their mouth is all about. I'm teaching that hold. I'm teaching that fetch in a different manner. It's not that – high intensity pressure and you have to get in your mouth or else it's a much different process. But I will say that the dogs that I personally am breeding, I am putting a tremendous emphasis on a natural mouth. So I have a very, very natural mouth to start with. Um, and so that, that is also a reason of, of my process, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot, that was a really long way to answer your question. No, that's fine. (laughs) Is, is, um, so let me ask this, is there, you know, without, without, you know, putting your techniques out there, like I like you said, those are yours. I don't, I don't want to do that. But with, without putting that out there, is there a way to start introducing the dog or doing stuff? So like you're saying, there is a different kind of mouth before you get into that other than just the, the straight breeding of the dog. Well, I, I really think that does come down you know, to the breed. Gotcha. I think now, uh, I guess, let me go back one step before I answer that question. So I believe that there's a lot of traits out there 
that come down to genetics, right? I mean, genetics yes. is everything. Yes. And so when, when you really look back into it, um, a mouth is, is, I mean, that's a, that's a trait that, I mean, I can prove to you by the puppies that I have in the kennel right now that, um, I mean, if I showed you one after another, you'd be incredibly impressed with it, with their mouth. Um, I personally believe that whining is, is one of those too. I mean, yeah. we see dogs, you know, all the time that, you know, sit there and they just, ah, yep. ah. Well, I'm a waterfall hunter. I hunted, I waterfall hunted 92 days last year. The last thing I want to do is sit in a blind for five minutes, let alone five hours with the dog doing that. Um, so that's another piece as far as my breeding program goes. I mean, noise is is just not tolerated. And so if I get noisy dogs, you know, they're just not a part of the program. And there's a lot of dogs that, that I have, I've loved, I've adored, but they're not as natural in the mouth that I want. They're, right. they're maybe they make a noise, something like that they don't like, and I end right. up weeding those dogs out. With all that being said, I do believe that you could make a, a very natural mouth dog hard-mouthed or unnatural. I think right. you can make a quiet dog noisy by not handling them correctly. Um, but I think to start, you know, to start that off, it all starts with the genetics of, of why you have the dog that you have. Right. Um, you know, but, but once you, once you have that dog, assuming that you have that dog, um, you know, then from there, you know, a lot of what, um, you know, like I, I always believe that, um, you know, retrieving as a pup for a puppy, uh, is overrated. And, and, you know, let me explain a little bit because I don't mean don't ever throw, you know, retrieve for your puppy. Right. What I mean is that most of the time what happens is somebody picks up a puppy they bring them home. They're super excited about this puppy. So they take you know, a little paint roller, a little puppy bumper, something like that, <laughs> right. and they throw it for them. And they go and bring it back. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And they throw and throw and throw. And all that you're doing as an owner is you're trying to verify to yourself, I bought a retriever. <laughs> right. Right. You're justifying your spend. That's, exact, that's exactly it right there. Right. So you know, now you do that. Well, now you want this dog to to you know you want to show it off and it's exciting and the dog will do it right so every day it's go 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 well all of a sudden it comes into me and it's like all right well we're gonna go be steady well this dog has just lived the first what five six seven months of his life thinking i get to go get everything that's out there that's right so this dog wants a break he wants to fight me he wants to do everything and now once we get it under control because it still thinks i want to go 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 all of a sudden the dog starts going Right. And all of this vocalization comes out, right? And right. Like, oh my gosh, you know. So, so, and not to mention everything that can happen, you know, on top of that, such as, you know, the dog, you know, getting bored and us losing retrieve drive. The dog not bringing, you know, whatever, you know, it is you're throwing right back to you, playing keep away, playing tug of war, all this other kind of stuff. Now, again, I'm not saying don't throw retrieves for your puppy. What I'm saying is do it sparingly and do it in controlled situations. Uh, I'm looking at a hallway right now in my house. This is a great place that I can shut all the doors. There's one way there, one way back, and I can give my, my puppy one or two little retrieves. He has to come back to me, right, because there's no other way to go. Right. We can praise him. This is a, a great thing. Have a little party. You know, move on. Maybe next week we'll do a couple more. You know, it's, right. it's one of those things that sometimes less is more. And when you have the right dog breeding-wise, I know I keep going back to it, but that's where everything stems from. If you have the right dog breeding-wise, it is in that dog. Right. Right? Now from there, it's just how do you bring that stuff out properly? So uh, the other thing 
Uh, like so, so you just went into that. So, so let me throw let me throw this by you. So, okay. um, so he's like I said, he's whatever, fifteen, sixteen weeks right now. So, um, I I have been throwing bumpers, but I've also been trying to keep him. You know, I just don't throw the bumper and let him fly off the handle and go. Like, we've been doing, I've been incorporating my obedience, with, which is, you know, walk, heel, sit. Once he does that, then I throw a bumper. He goes, you know, obviously on the lead. I make sure he comes back. That's still a fight. You know, not a fight, but, you know, he wants to chew on it or play, so... Have him come back, you know. I try to get it from him, and then we start the process over. We maybe take a couple steps, heel, sit, and then we start again. Like, and I'm not. As soon as I throw it, I'm not just letting him, you know, fly and go. I wait. You know what I mean? Because one of the things, you know, I guess that I'm trying to do in all this is is not have the issues down the road that we have to correct. Meaning that, you know, he doesn't need to get every one of them. Um, he doesn't just, as soon as something goes, he doesn't just fly off the handle and go. Um, he has to watch, pay attention, be a good civilian, uh, you know, you know, stuff like that. So uh, am I on the right path there? And I'm not, you know, we're not doing, you know, if I do a couple in the morning and a couple at night, like two, three retrieves, like, and he, he loves to do it. So I do it and then shut it off. Am I on the right track? Yeah, well, I, and I think the reason that you are is because you're doing it in a controlled fashion, saying this is what I'm going out to do. Kind of like what we just talked about, right? Like right. When, when I had referenced the, the hallway, I mean, there was a plan there. It wasn't just right. I'm just throwing, right? Like I'm going to come out here. I'm going to hold him. You know, and I'm talking about a little puppy now, right? Where sure. you know, you're talking about a dog that really – is starting to get his legs is That's starting right. to mature a little bit That's right? right and so um so with with what you're doing you are you have a, a plan of attack you're being under control the only thing that i would probably do different um and you may be doing this we may just haven't talked about no it yet, tell me is is introducing a place board um and so a, a place board what a place board would be uh we have a number of different ones we use at the kennel uh we have uh, like, you know, stands, you know, like field stands that yep. uh, the dogs can sit on. We yep. have um, different platforms that uh, that we may make on our own. So we have some that are just like old tires with, with plywood on top of it. You know, That's we just right. have a number of different places. But what's important about the place is I always like it to be raised a little bit. So it's a very clear defined area for the dog. And uh, I teach it as one of my obedient commands because, you know, so many of my clients, you know, they – um, you know, they have obviously other lives and they have kids and they have all this stuff going on. And, and sometimes training the dog when they get home or before they leave, uh, either isn't a top priority or like specific in the winter time where it's dark sure. when they leave and dark when they come home, very That's right. difficult. That's right. Well, place has been a really easy one to, f to fit into your everyday life where you could have a platform in your kitchen. You all sit down, you know, to, uh, to dinner place, the dog gets on the board, the dog is training. You can still unwind, you know, eat your dinner, focus on the family, but you have one eye in your peripheral on your dog, making sure he stays on that board. So that's one. It's, it's a great, um, great obedient, you know, uh, command. But where I like to use it for our duck dogs in particular 
is as as you're going through what you are right now with your dog, if you have that place board and he understood you, you know, you said place pointing there, boom, he gets on that board. He knows I can't leave this spot right. until I'm told to. What you now do with your retrieves is you've now created a starting line, right? Like you can't leave here until you hear your name. That's right. But then consequently, what you also do is you give the dog a finish line to shoot for when they come back you know, to you. So I think you're spot on by using a checkboard because that gives you that, you know, that uh, control of the dog to reel them in. So it doesn't become a big game and become an, an issue. But if you had a place board, you know, I, I think what happens is, is that these dogs, like when you think about a retriever, they go retrieve, right? They go out for that retrieve most of the time especially in those beginning stages and it's really a fun thing to watch if you can detach yourself from the moment and take a step back and look at it through a different light like how amazing is it that this dog does this for no other reason than his body something inside of him like, telling him to do that right? right like that's a pretty incredible thing yes but once he gets that in his mouth he's coming back to it he's like oh okay well you know this is fun. I love having this. And this is where you might get the keep away game and play a ring around the rose. You might do some, you know, some right. stuff like this. This is where <laughs> if you can hey, say, Hey, place. And you have that board at your side, that dog's going to go, okay, there's my finish line. Now I'm not saying he's going to, at this point, go right to the hand. He might drop right. it right away. He might think, but, but what you're trying right. to do is condition him to, you start at this point and you end at this point is it's rounding out their job. And it's amazing when you start to define some areas and lines with these dogs, it's like there's a sense of mental calmness that comes about them. Like, I get it. Like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be on edge. You don't have to be, you know, wondering, is this right? Is that right? It's just, it's defined. This is right. I Right at my side until I say your name. Right. When, I t- when you're coming back, place, here's where you end. And then guess what? If you did that right, you get to do that again. That's oh, right. Okay, so now I want to be back here because then I get to go do that. You know, it's just it's it's those little baby steps that at the end of the day end up getting us to where we want to be at that end goal. And I think, you know, this is where for me, like I love how much information is out there, right? As far as you know, there's books and DVDs and online content and YouTube right. and all this kind of stuff, right? What I really dislike about it is that. The, there's there's always timelines associated with it, right? It's like, gotcha. all right, by like five months, this this should be happening, right? And then at a year, you should be here, and at a year and a half, you should be there, right? Well, that's you know, every dog's dogs different. are like kids, right? That's exactly right. right. They're just like kids. Every dog is different. Every dog has different strengths and weaknesses. That's right. Um, you know, I, I think two dogs that that uh, I worked with their owners here this morning, uh, I think illustrate that perfectly. Where uh, we have one dog uh, in here, and he just really, really pushes. Like he pushes the owner, he pushes, <laughs> you know, he pushes me. Um, you know, which, which I actually really like. I like when a dog pushes on me a little bit. Um, I, I think it just, you know, it shows some of that drive. It shows some. That's but, right. Um, but it's, it's sometimes it's hard. Every handler is a little different. Right. Um, but this dog is just not very naturally gifted. So I'm having to take a lot of baby steps teach him every little thing like you'd have been you'd be shocked if you saw me even working doubles with him it's like i could throw one in a mowed lawn at 12 o'clock turn throw one at six o'clock have him retrieve the one at six o'clock turn him i mean he can see the bumper right send him and he would turn around and run back the other way where he got the first one right like he just he needed to be coached through everything right where then i have uh, a little dog named augie 
and Augie's a dog that um, that I bred, and and this is where like, you know, you know where I'm going for it's not an accident, sure. right? Like we're we're getting the proof, but Augie right. is eight months old. He is he's uh, completely steady, doing double marks. Every retrieve is the hand. He's honoring. He's you know, you know diversions. He's doing all this stuff at and I think he just turned eight months old. Right. I mean, this this is like, yeah, he's like way ahead of the game. So where where I'm going with the whole timeline thing is that both these dogs are going to end up being great dogs, right? But they both had very different timelines to get to where they have right. to be. So sometimes people call me and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so far behind. Like, why? Like, why are you behind? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're putting in the work and the dog right. just don't understand, you're not behind. Like, you have the dog's lifetime. You know, unless there's like, for some reason, you have a drop dead day that <laughs> at this day, this yeah, has he's got to get his first bird, behind. right, right. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I mean. I love that the information's out there, but I think everybody, right. you, you just have to take that breath and say, okay, I'm that's going a, to take the information, not the timeline. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great point because, and I don't think, and I don't think that's really been addressed. You know in in a very long time or if ever you know what i mean like i i I truly think like okay we have you know you could have the you could have four dogs out of the same litter and you know we're gonna we're gonna be on this timeline and they're all at the trainers well guess what they all four of those are different there's no doubt they are not gonna be the exact same going through there's no way right you know and yes it, it has to do with the breeding there's no doubt about it um Right. I'll go back to uh, to what you were saying. So, so, so place. Uh, the term place is is a huge, huge thing for a waterfowl hunter. There's no doubt. Um, so, um, I have, I, I say spot. Um, you know, I I. That's the other thing I've tried to do. I've tried not to use every term that everybody else is using. And that's my thing just because you're hunting, you're with three other dogs and somebody says place and all the dogs go and do what they're, you know, go to place (laughs) as soon as somebody says place. And, uh, and I I don't know if that's true all the time, but I just try not to use the same words and, uh, on certain things. So, so I say spot. So, um, when the dog comes in and out of the garage, in and out of the house, he sits in his spot before I feed him, he's on his spot. So, uh, when I was trying to um, like just get him like like just to look at me, and if I do a cast left or right, so he can just do the look uh, aspect of making sure he has eye contact with me, I have him on his place. Um, so I've backed off a little bit of the uh, the tr- the retrieving with place, so I need to pick that back up because I've been taking him actually just out to you know, the duck club with a little more, you know, distractions and blackbirds flying around and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I'll go back to make sure I take the, the, the raised, uh, you know, mat with me, whatever it is. It's the, you know, it's one of those little kennel pads that's raised up off the little frame. So, Mm -hmm. but I also, uh, you know, I have a, I have a spot in the boat that, that he sits, you know what I mean? So I've actually had him in the boat, not on the water yet, but just, you know, took him over and sat him in that and said, you know, this is your spot, getting your spot. So we did a couple things there. So I'm also trying to say and teach him that spot is different places too. You know what I mean? Like your spot might be here. It might be there, but spot the word means this is where you go. Um, 
And a, hu- a huge thing for me personally is the way we hunt here in the layout blinds is it is sometimes it's really tough to hide the layout blinds and it's even tougher to hide the dog blind on, on certain things. So I've always trained my, my dogs to go in behind the headrest and stay there. When I raise to shoot, he sits to mark. So we're already training like place in the layout blind to get behind the headrest. So that's, so that's another spot, you know what I mean, that I'm, I'm doing. So yeah, so I need to brush up on my spot, let's call it, or my place when I'm training. So yeah, that's a great idea or a refresher. I just backed off that a little bit. Right. Well, and, and so another point that you just made that I think is a great one for people to, to pay attention to is situational training. Okay. So, you know, if, if you've done this in your backyard all summer long and the dog is really good at it, everything is going well, and you take them out on opening day and they're in a blind that they've yep. never seen before, in yep. a spot they've never seen before, with decoys they've never seen before, with multiple shooters they've never seen before, you can't expect that dog to act like they're in the backyard again. Right, right because and spot be- has, like place has a million other things changed now. The word place, you know what I mean? Yes, it's still, it might even be the same pad or the same blind, you know what I mean, for the dog, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Right, well, and, and the environments are, are oftentimes what, what we forget about, right? And so, um, great example, you know, last year, so I have a duck club in Arkansas that I spend a lot of time at in the winter, and a uh, you know, great example would be we had a good friend of mine, had a young dog, excuse me, that came down, and, uh, you know, we, it's, you know, whatever it is, 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning, and we're, you know, in the boat, everything's dark, we've got headlamps on, you know, the, the you know, interior lights of the boat are on, Yeah. but... A, that's overwhelming for a dog. Oh right? yeah. Like there's some stuff going on, you know, he is, and he's a young dog too. And so my buddy, I could tell he was getting stressed out and frustrated. Right. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, like just take a breath. Like it's cool. And he's like, well, right. I don't want to run around. I don't want, and I'm like, well, if that's the case, man, we, like we should have prepared him for this. Right. right? Like he, this isn't his fault. Right. And I'm not trying to be you know, mean, but I am trying to be blunt. Like this is your fault for not preparing him for this. Now, if you'd have taken him on a boat ride, you'll like this every day and gotten him out, you know, in the dark. And so he's used to the light and used to all the stuff. That's right. Well, then, yeah, then you might be like, Hey, okay. You kind of act like an idiot. You know, here's your spot. Sit down be right. here. Right. Like, but if you haven't, it's unrealistic for you to expect your dog just rolls with it and you have this great outcome. Right. And, and I think specifically waterfall hunting, you know, and, and, you know, again, that's my passion through and through is, is, you know, I'll take ducks over everything else all day long. And so for, for me, I take it even a step further and I try to look at it with all of my young dogs. I take them out and their first three to four hunts minimum, I take them out, and they don't get to go get, get a retrieve at all. Right. They're going to sit. They're going to soak in the environment. They're going to soak in what's going on because there are a lot of X factors there that I just simply cannot prepare you for. Right. Like I can't prepare you for 12 honkers wanting to sit down on our <laughs> coffin. Right. I can't prepare you right. for a hundred mailers whipping around and sitting down in a cornfield or even, even right. more tempting trying to land on us through the, the, the timber That's and right. sitting on top of us. I mean, there's a lot there that I cannot prepare you for, but if I can take you out in that environment, let you sit there, let you soak it in, 
And the reason I say don't, you know, for me, and I, and I don't, you know, maybe not realistic for a ton of people, but for me, why I don't let them go get that retrieve is I don't want them that the first thing that they do is they go out there, it's overwhelming, there's stuff going on, right? And all of a sudden, the first shot goes off, bird goes down, they go and get it. Right. Because then all of a sudden, they think, well, the next time, I'm going to go get that too. And all of a sudden, you're frustrated because you're like, this isn't at all what we trained for. Well, you're right. I mean, this isn't what you trained for. You didn't train for all this, these birds and all these X factors, right? And so I take those first few hunts as kind of like live training sessions. I put the gun away. Um, I'll still call because I love calling. Sure. Um, but I put the gun away so I can focus on the dog, and I want to ensure that this is going to work. Again, this is a young dog in their first, you know, first few hunts. Because the way that I look at it is that if I can put my gun aside and focus on him or her for those first few hunts, we're going to have, God willing, the next 12 years right. of lifetime memories and hunts together. Right. And if I don't do that, the dog is breaking, we get bad habits, we're fighting, this is not enjoyable. This is something that we're right. likely going to fight for years to come, <laughs> right? Right. And, and it's just like, yeah, it, it sounds silly when you look at it that way. Like, why wouldn't you give up those, those, those few hunts? But... I also understand because I have a lot of clients that are in the situation that, you know, they only get to hunt three to four times a year. Right. Right. So do you, do you erase the whole season? Right. You know, you might, you know, person to person, but, um, but that's where I say like, it's just, it's sometimes it's hard to do, but you got to put yourself in the dog shoes situations that we can prepare for. We have to go out of our way to do it. That, that might mean hunting, you know, training out of the same blind training out of the same boat, yep. you know, putting them in the, putting them in the truck, you know, you know, before like going for a long drive and people don't think about traveling, right? Oh, yeah. like, the dog's oh, never yeah. left home. We go on a 12 hour ride. Now all of a sudden it's supposed to you know, be the same dog. I mean, there's a lot of stress that goes along with all that stuff. The more you can prepare them for before that first hunt, the smoother it's going to go. Well, and, 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 uh, you know, this is something that I learned on the last dog. He was, he was, uh, different, uh, as they all are, uh, he was more sight driven than nose driven. Uh, he was, um, you know, stubborn at times, but then couldn't take a lot of pressure. You know, there was a lot of things, you know, with, with him, um, that was going on. But, but one thing that was the major thing that I didn't realize. And then a trainer pointed out to me is that, the dog was feeding off of me, uh, and the dog and and the dogs do, uh, but I was getting frustrated because I was in a situation where he wasn't performing right or wasn't doing you know, and I would get frustrated, and then the dog would shut down, kind of. So so there is no doubt in my mind. And once I once I was taught that everything got better because the dog was feeding off of me and my emotions, just like you're talking about, like, listen, you can't recreate the absolute chaos, heighten everything, emotions, energy, everything that goes on in a, in a, an actual hunt. You know what I mean? You could train, you could shoot guns, you could shoot flyers, you know, you could shoot live birds. Like it doesn't matter what you do, but, me as the hunter and taking the dog, I am in a different place when I, I'm in a different zone when we actually get on a hunt. So mm -hmm. the dog 
absolutely is feeding off of that energy and that changes everything. So I figured out how to fix me, you know what I mean? To fix him. That's right. Yeah. And you know, so, so there too, I think that's a really underrated thing. It's something that, um, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to going to give you too much of the secret sauce, but I'll give no, you no, some. No, no, no. You so, just keep, um, you know. So, no, uh, no so th- I, I think this is good. You know, so this is something that you know, I've kind of started to talk about a little more because we've just been so successful with it, which is, um, so, you know, years ago when, you know, we do all the training, we get the dogs done, we show the dogs off, and then we bring the owners in to run the dogs so that they can get a feel for it, mm-hmm. and it was never as crisp, right, right. for all the reasons you just talked about. They're stressed out. They're nervous. They're trying to remember, you know, what they're supposed to say, when they're supposed to say it. That the dog feeds off of it, so the dog is like, you know, pushing them. They're excited to see, and there's all this stuff going. Oh on, yeah. Right? So, and it, all that is exactly what you just talked about as far as the live hunt goes. So, where this hit me was, um, you know, I was trying to remedy this. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna videotape you. That way, you have something to go home with. And you, know, you can you can watch it and all this kind of stuff. So I, I was videotaping all those people, and I always just kind of watch the videos afterwards because I, I I always think there's something to learn off of each run, right. um, no matter what dog it is. Right. And so I was watching some of these, and it was incredible how I would I would physically I would watch people physically tense up when it was time to run their dog. Mm-hmm. Right. Like so they'd see their dog, okay, okay, and they'd physically tense up. They start walking different. Their voice would be different. Their <laughs> movements would be different. That's right. And it was like, well, of course the dog is going to, you know, going to, you'll be different with you because he's like, what in the world is going on? What's wrong? Right. right. So what we started doing is we started bringing people in when they come pick up their dogs and where, you know, not everybody's schedule uh, allows this. But what I prefer to do is you have three days with me when you come pick up your dog. Right now we have check-ins in, in between here, right? So people come in, they check in and check in and check in, but this is the time that the dog is going home. Right. And I have way too much pride in where I'm able to get these dogs to go home and, you know, them not perform as they should. You know, it's like me throwing you the keys to a Ferrari and being like, well, you can't drive a stick shift, but you got to off bad. the car. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> right. So there's no doubt. So, you know, yeah. So for me, you know, what I, what I like to do is I bring them in. And like I said, ideally three days. The first two days, you'll watch your dog run, but you don't get to see your dog. You don't interact. I mean, it's like physically, you don't interact mm-hmm. with your dog. You are going to handle other dogs. Most of the time, my dog. So my dogs get screwed sure. up every day. And sure. you know, just, you know, they roll with it. They're, they're great with it. But right. you're going to handle other dogs. Because what happens is when you don't have the emotional tie with your dog, you're able to work on you. You'll, you're, you it's, just, it's unbelievable how you can think clear, right? So, okay, so... To send them, I say rock. I don't say fetch. I don't say, you know, it's it's just this is what it is. That's right. Okay? Well, you do that a bunch of times. Do that with Brock. Do that with Bud. Do that with Clyde. Do that with Bracken. Do that with Sage. Do that, you know, well, you do this, you know, a hundred times in two days with a bunch of different dogs. All of a sudden, when the time that you you have your dog, you got it. You know, so now all of a sudden, you're not tense anymore. You know, maybe a little. You're not stressed out anymore, maybe a little. But you're not what you were, you know, would have been. So now you can go over confidently. Well, I've done this for the last two days. Yeah. Sit down, quack, 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 boom, sh- boom. Yeah. You know, strike. Good. You know, heal. Good. Yep. Strike. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's amazing how smooth and how fluid it is. And it's about teaching the people. Like for me, I know the dog can do it. Right. I don't know you can do it. So let's teach you, let's work on you. 
<laughs> and then apply it to what I know is already done. Wow. And uh, and so this is this is a really a, a cool thing um, that I think directly goes to what you were talking about as far as on that hunt. Yeah, more more trainer. Well, not trainers. Let, let me take that back. More owners have screwed up more good dogs than anything. Do you know what I mean? For sure. For um, sure. And you know the thing that always worries me. It's like you know, listen, I, I, uh, I, I have hesitations on a lot of stuff, especially dogs. Uh, and and this is where I'm going with this. Uh, I meet a guy. Uh, wants to join the duck club, talk about it. He says his dog's just incredible, right? And I go, okay. So my dog's been trained here. My dog's been trained there. And listen, I go back to, I, I bet you the dog can do it. You know what I mean? He was trained here. He was trained by this guy. You know, I have faith in that. But what is the owner going to do? That's where the dog's going to get, like, just off the rails, because if the owner doesn't know how to handle the Ferrari, you know, we're just going to go in the ditch. So there's there's no doubt about that. You know, I think that's a great thing. You know, it's also a great thing to just get into a, a you know, like if, if you're just a regular guy, just, just um, get into a retriever club or get with some friends and, and, and if, you know, the, the, the good thing for me is I have a guy here, James, who has trained a lot of dogs, and I could run over there, and I know what a real dog is supposed to run like. You know what I mean? So so if I run into an issue or I run into a problem, you know, I could always go over there and run that dog, or I've seen that dog do that, so now I know what to do with this dog. You know what I mean? So you learn from you know, other dogs that are good. Like you said, come down to the place before you run your dog, you're going to run another dog. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so you yeah, get that sure. experience of running a dog like that and, and you see how that goes. Um, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. I, I did want to add one thing, like, cause I, I, I did want to throw this when we were talking about like, like you being like the owner being frustrated or the hunts going crazy. Like, just think about, just think about a normal hunt. And like, if you start missing, right, then you get into a funk, like your dog is going to pick the funk up. He knows he senses what's going on. So I, I don't think, you know, I don't think folks really are paying attention to that part of themselves while they're with the dog. So, like I said, I learned that huge lesson a few years ago and I'm very, Maybe I'm more conscious about it than others because I went through it. And maybe not, and I don't know, maybe you could tell me this, maybe not all dogs are, you know, uh, you know, vibe off of the owner's energy so much. Maybe it's different on different dogs. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, there are dogs that, you know, when they see their owners, it doesn't matter if it's three weeks or three months they lose their mind. They're right. all over the place. They're, you know, right. they're jumping. Some of them. Um, yeah, it's just, they all you know, respond differently. I also have dogs that see their owners like, Hey, cool, let's go. <laughs> and so, you know, um, that's pretty I, crazy. I do, yeah. 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 You know, but at, at the end of the day, I do think kind of what, what you're just talking about, uh, really comes down to, you know, the owner. I mean, that's right. one of the, right. uh, 
I, I'd say the more frustrating parts of my job no, is no. that um, there's like an expectation that, hey, so the training's done, so the dog should just do it. And that's right. not the case. You know, no. and that's why we put so much emphasis on training you because ultimately you're the one that has to drive the car. That's right. I love when um, somebody just said this the other day and, and it, it turned into uh, it's something that a lot of people that pick up puppies say. And so I've, I've really keyed in on it. and I, I kind of make it a point to talk about it is, um, you know, so we have a ton of pride in the dogs that that we have, um, what they're capable of, the puppies that, they're, that, that they throw. And uh, so as a result of that, people know that they're getting a great dog. Right. So so many times people say, well, you know, the only I know that I'm the only one that's going to hold this dog back. And my eyes at this point light up when I say that. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Now let's work on it and make it not happen. Right. right? Like, right. like let's, let's just not accept that. Right. Like, let's just not say, well, I'm going to screw him up. Let's say, okay, I've got a stellar dog. Let's work on me. And, and you know, keep in mind, like, I'm not saying every dog has to go be a, you know, master 100 grand retriever champion. Right. Do all this. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that let's take what you want and let's be the best at what you want. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be happier. Right. So if even if it's just I want my dog to be steady. Right. I want my dog to pick up a bird and bring it back to me. If we are if we can be the best at that, let's do that because it's more enjoyable. Even if it's just obedience, you know, think about I think obedience is a uh, severely oh, overlooked piece of the puzzle. You know, that's the foundation of everything. There's no right. Doubt. And well, and uh, 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 a more obedient dog gets to go more places, gets to do more things. That's and you right. made the comment earlier, be a better citizen. There's that no right there is, is, that's a huge deal. You know, I, I, that that's one thing. My last dog was named Money. So Money was uh, very sociable, very loving, you know, everything, everything about him. The one thing that I really liked about him is, like, if we went for a walk or we did something, like, another dog's across the street, like, just barking his head off and going crazy, right? He would just be like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Could care, could give two craps about, like, the dog across the street, like, like pulling his owner down the street. You know what I mean? He could just give a crap. So, so and I think that's the way that, that we socialized him and brought him through. He was around a lot of dogs. He had a good time. He was very sociable. And like, if he saw another dog, like far away, like he wasn't, he could care less. You know what I mean? Like it didn't mean much to him because he saw so many, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So I, I think that was a cool thing. And, you know, I'm trying to like do with jet, like we see another dog and the dog's going crazy. Like, and if he starts doing something, I just say, sit. And I, we just, I just try to take that madness away because when all the madness is going on, and he, as you know this, like in a hunt or in whatever, like all the madness is going on, I want him to be able to listen and sit and just be like, okay, right. you, the dog over there is going crazy. Like, why is he going crazy? I'm sitting here watching this idiot. You know what I mean? Like I want him to, <laughs> right. like I really want him to do that because that means a lot to me because the, when there's madness going on, especially in a hunt, in a hunt situation where there's all this chaos, like I want him to be, you know, and you could call it steady or do whatever. I just want him to be composed. So, you know, I, I don't know. So I'm trying to do, I'm, tr I'm trying to get out of him what I need out of him because every need, everybody needs something different. You know what I mean? Like you said, some guys hunt, you know, three days a year. You know what I mean? I'm like you, 
you know, I will probably go 90 plus days or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it's an insane amount because, you know, figure in the times we're going to, you know, I love shooting crows. Like, you know, we're going to, we're going to do that. We're going to do pigeons in the summer. Like we're going to do an awful lot. So, you know, that, that, yeah. So I need, I need my partner to be up to speed on what I need. So yeah, there's no doubt. There's a, there's a lot of things. And, and what I, what I'd like to do really is, uh, if you and I could get like, I'd love to do some podcast stuff like every, every few months or so, so we could, you know, so we could check in and talk about some other stuff because I think there's so much to cover, you know, there's no way, you know, if you have time, there's just no way to cover yeah, everything sure. in, you know, uh, in a, in a, in a, in an hour or so we're already past the hour. You know what I mean? We're already burning. So, uh, right. I think that would be cool and it would be good because, you know, listen, I'm not professional and I'm bringing him along and trying to get what I need out of him. And, you know, heck, I learned a couple things today already that I'm going to, you know, go back with. So, uh, you know, and everything goes back to, you know, him being a, a good, you know, my buddy James always says, be a good citizen. I always use that term because that, I mean, that is the, that is the sole truth out of, what everybody wants out of out of a dog you know what i mean is is to right. do that <laughs> right yeah no no i i love it man i think it's uh as you can tell i get a little passionate about talking about uh about these things that's what oh, i love yeah. that's what I, I you know have dedicated my life to so um but i'd be yeah i'd be more than happy to come back oh that'd be great anytime. yeah i think we do that i think we do that i'll schedule some more uh as we get closer to to fall or maybe let's see what is it june it's almost july oh it is july holy crap like maybe we check in the beginning of september and uh and we get on again and we'll schedule it i think that'd be a great thing so you know because i'll have two more months i'll have two more months under of going you know with him so um one question before and this is this is totally for me i'm being selfish on this (laughs) as far as as far as the force fetching and his teeth uh, he hasn't lost any teeth that I know of yet. So can I do anything for him? Can I start that or do anything? I got to wait until all his teeth are in. Is that, is that a true statement? I guess I just want to know fact on that. Uh, I mean, anytime that, that you're dealing with a puppy, I would err towards waiting till they do have all their teeth just because yeah. there could be, um, there could be, uh, teeth to get hung up specifically if you're sure. using a canvas bumper or something like that you just want to avoid um and for me personally like i like to air later on like even you know closer to a year old before i start any kind of force fetching process i want to make this fun i want you know i think there's a lot of obedience and kind of prerequisite work that sure. gets that has to be done before you hit that point sure. so you know for me i don't ever you know really deal with that because i always wait um you know until you know, a little later on but okay. you know, the, the best part about what you have is that you have all the time in the world, you know, so you could start assuming that you, you assume that, uh, uh, your puppy's ready for it. And I, I I'd wait, I would wait at least a couple more months, right, but, right. um, you know, then you can kind of start slow and you can kind of go at your own pace and progress right. it. And that, you know, that's the hard part for me is that, you know, nobody's, you know, very rarely I've only, I can kind of one hand the number of times it's happened where somebody gives me a dog and says, Josh, I don't care how long it takes. 
Right. Just yeah. When has that happened? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Usually, usually it's like, okay, so you said three months. Um, can, it be, can, you, can you do it in three weeks? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Yeah. Um, so that's the that's the best benefit of you know of your situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that's you may be able to start a little earlier than than I would, um, but just taking your time. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, personally, right. I'd wait a few more months before yeah, I would absolutely. start. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll keep an eye on his teeth and see what's going on and. You know, I should be hitting the I should be hitting the spot soon where they're starting, and who knows? You know, I, like you said, they're all different, so everything's going to happen at different times. So, I, I have that window of the teeth, and I'm just kind of keeping an eye on it. So that's what I'll do. So for sure. Anything else you want to uh, uh, cover? I mean, listen, the everything everything that I got from you know Sport Dog the bumper from the bumpers and being able listen being able to adjust how hard or soft they are like that's a big that's a big deal right now with it with his teeth and what's going on you know what i mean so i tone them down a little bit uh the check cord obviously is awesome like everything i've gone to i i use the healing stick very very minimal um i mean literally we went on a walk and um Something was going on, and I stopped, and I said, sit, and he didn't. And I literally just put the stick on his butt and said, sit again, and he was right down. So it, it's not it's not a beat stick, you know what I mean? So, it, yeah. it, so just minor things that I'm using uh, are just coming into play, you know, really good. So, like, you know, and we're not at the collar stage. Um, I have the collar, but we're not there yet. Um but I did, I did get the bark collar because he was, um, you know, he, listen, he wants to be out of the kennel. I can't do it all day. Like I have it in shifts now where, um, my son goes down in the morning and takes him out and takes him for a walk and plays with him for a little bit and back and he goes. And then my daughter will take him out in the afternoon and then I get him like early, early morning and I get him at night and any other time I can go down. So we got a pretty good shift going, you know what I mean? So he's getting an awful lot of time out of the kennel and then he's also having his time in his room. So he was just getting a little, a little too vocal and that's changed, you know, that changed overnight pretty much. That's been a huge thing because that's, I mean, sitting in the kennel and barking for an hour, um, is not, is not my, favorite thing because you'll see the you know listen you pull up to a a hunt test and there's 10 dogs on the dog truck and every one of them is just barking their heads off like i i just like i can't take it i i gotta walk away my ears off i i gotta walk away like i i i i hated that part and money was on you know the dog truck for a while and it seems like you know they get conditioned into that whole like it's peer pressure, like everybody's doing it. So I'm going to bark and I'm going to, you know, and then they got, you know, so it just, yeah. So that has totally changed his, you know, temperament in the kennel. And I mean, it changed, like I said, it changed overnight. So that was, that was a must for him. So uh, now I, I put it on him and he doesn't even, like, I don't hear a peep. Like we are a good citizen. Um, he probably barks once, you know, when he needs to go out because he knows and I hear him. We go out and we're all good. So, uh, 
we have become a better citizen because of the the little um the bar collar <laughs> so yeah well i i think i'd say um so yeah totally agree with you i think all those products are, are great and uh that's you know again the best part about getting products from a, a company that is a dog centric company is that you know they're based around you know the needs that us as dog owners you know really truly need Agreed. and you know deliver a message in the way that that, that needs to happen um I would, I guess, yeah. If I had one more point to make here, you know, before we get off, yeah. I would say, um, be cautious of this, the the heat in particular this time of year training. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it, man, it's just it's so hard. You know, we so um, it kind of gets crazy at the kennel this time of year. Be oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm up at the kennel at 3:45 because we have to do chores in the morning, so we do right. chores. And then we, you know, so those have to be done before we can, you know, train. Everybody gets let out. Your kennel's right. cleaned. Everybody's taken care of. Yep. Um, and then we get to train. And shoot, by the time it's, you know, eleven o'clock noon, I mean, uh, we can't hardly be doing anything. Right. And and th- I mean, this is Wisconsin. I can't even think about you. Know, you know, you know, Arkansas, Texas, all these oh my you know, God. southern states yeah. are way hotter, you know, than we are. Yep. Um, but I guess my point is, is that. You know, like we do a lot of water work late in the morning, you know, just yes. so you know, we do have that little cool factor. But don't make the mistake of thinking just because you're doing water work that they're fine. You know, the heat is something not to mess with. I mean, it's amazing. I've I've seen a few dogs, you know, fortunately, knock on wood, um, I've been smart enough and not have any of my own dogs or dogs that I've been training have any kind of heat related issues. But it's because we take the, the precautions, you know, not to. Um, you know, I've seen a number of dogs that, you know, whether it's at, you know, trials or, or tests or events that, you know, they, they were just pushed when they shouldn't have. Yeah. And it is a hard thing to watch when they go into it. Don't don't let that happen. I mean, a, a training session is not worth, you know, the dogs, your know, life or health, you know, to put them through that. You know, be smart early in the morning, late in the late evening, yep. capture the cool weather yep. and uh, be smart about it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much that's, you know, the only thing I'm letting them do during the day when it's warm out is if they go for a short walk. Or, you know, he wants to go in the backyard for a little bit and just hang out for a little bit and play, you know, I call it grab ass. You know, if he just wants to have fun and do whatever in the backyard for a little bit, then go ahead. You know, he's not, you know, he's not getting that over overheated or overworked. So, yeah, absolutely. Always mindful of that. I think I think I've been always mindful of that um, just in a, a general way, you know, just because I'm a dog person. I think it's been like that forever. So I don't even I don't even like. I don't even think of that anymore. I just automatically do it. You know what I mean? So you're you're on that same program, but that is an absolute great tip for everybody out there, you know, that that's listening that they absolutely need to keep in in mind of that, especially the water work like you said. That's a that's a, a definite. Awesome. For sure. All right, folks. Josh Miller, uh Riverstone Kennels, Sport Dog, some great products. If you just like Josh said and and and, and I want to reiterate this. Um, it is a dog collar. It is a dog. Ex- it's a dog company of people who own dogs. They are end users. And I talk about this all the time on the podcast. And I talk about it about all our partners. Um, you know, we are a waterfowl company that makes waterfowl products for guys who waterfowl hunt. And we are waterfowlers. Like, we don't have you know, some advisory board, we don't have, you know, some investors that sit in an office and have never seen the woods. Like, that is why I partner uh, with companies like this, 
on that sole idea. You know, that is the that is the cool thing about, you know, the partners that that we have at Final Approach and what we stand for. I mean, that's it. Because the end user, I am an end user. You're an end user. You know what I mean? That's the cool part about this. And and I have the opportunity to, you know, link the company to brands like Sport Dog. That is exactly what you're talking about. And that's what that's what we do. So that's why we like, you know, I love having other companies, you know, stand for the same thing and and be that kind of company. So that's cool stuff. So all right, Josh, uh, if they want to check anything out, Sport Dog, uh, you can go to the website, uh, Riverstone Kennels. You can jump up on Josh's site and go there. Is there anything else you want to hit, Josh, for people to check out? Um, you know, no, I mean, if, uh, if anyone has any questions or want to uh, get in contact with me directly, um, you, you can go you know, like uh, Riverstone Kennels Instagram page yep. or Facebook um, you know, we, we answer a lot of questions you know, on there and try to put up a lot of good content there too. So, yeah. um, now I really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, I look forward to doing this again in the future. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I'll, uh, I'll get with you, Josh, and, and send you some info and appreciate your time, bro. I know you're busy and especially in the summer and what's going on right now. So, and training. So I appreciate that. You bet dude. Anytime. Awesome, bud. Okay. I'll talk to you soon and, uh, enjoy the rest of the day. All right. See you, bro. Thanks, Josh. Okay. Bye. Bye. Miller, Josh Miller. Whoa, my Jay Z uh, unplugged came on there really quick. <laughs> Josh Miller from uh, from Riverstone Kennels and Sport Dog. Um, big shout outs to him for man a ton of information. And I'm telling you, like I I, I was really not. I don't. I really wasn't even looking. Like I got I got the collar. Uh, Jet's not ready for it yet. Obviously, we're not there yet. But and I get the book, like this little manual, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! What's this?" And I go through it, and man, there's so much good information in there that you can pick up. Uh, whether you you know have a puppy, whether you have you know anything like like that's just just an incredible, uh, just an incredible thing, uh, and a tool. So so definitely do that. And, and I do, like I said, I go back to it all the time. Like, listen, the guys at Benelli uh, that we're partnered with, Federal Ammunition, um, Rob up at Ranchland Outfitters up in Alberta, uh, uh, Julie and everybody and Chip over at Pattermaster. You know, you talk to all these companies uh, that, that Final Approach is affiliated with, and they're, they're all the same thing. They all have a passion for what they do, and they're end users, the guys at Federal you know, shoot a pile of ammo. The guys at Benelli, you know, they're gun people. Like everybody's an end user. And that's, that's, you know, there's a lot of companies that got away from that and are still trying to sell you stuff. Uh, even though that's not really what they, you know, stand for or do or make or whatever. So I just, I just always go back to that. You know what I mean? Um, we always do stuff with the guys at Benchmade and Camp Chef and Loophold and Mossy Oak because that's just, like I said, that's the circle and the companies that are doing stuff and what they love to do and their end users. So listen, I, that's, I don't want to be on a soapbox, but I just, I just love it that brands do that kind of stuff. And, and like I said, all the people at Sport Dog are exactly what Josh said. They're all dog people, which is awesome. So, all right. Um, if you need any more info, 
uh, hit us up, fabrand.com. Uh, you can check us out on our Instagram page and follow us there. Like us on Facebook. Hit up the YouTube channel. We put a bunch more stuff up on the YouTube channel. And all the podcasts, if you haven't checked out some, there's a bunch up there on Blueberry and Apple Podcasts and all the other platforms where you can find the podcast. Just search up Final Approach. Uh, and if you ever want to hit us up for anything, you just hit us up on, on our social media pages and somebody will get back to you. Probably me. Uh, I try to handle it and, and get questions and do stuff and answer stuff. So yeah, so do it. Appreciate you checking us out. It's the final approach podcast. Appreciate it.